Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. There's a question that <laughs> says, I had a conversation with my brother. Okay, this is why I thought it was a guy for some weird reason. Oh, okay. I had a conversation with my brother, and he said that as long as it is not scientific, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. How do I explain God to him with reference of science? With reference of science. Okay, okay great. Uh, this is a very good question, and I think that in our culture, a lot of people think that God and science are entirely different, and they're um, divided, they are divorced, but any proper person and someone who is honest can say that science doesn't have all the answers mm -hmm. to life's questions. Science tries to answer something, science tries to explain things that already were there, but science doesn't have all the answers. They know it, you know, scientists know it. When you have a theory like evolution, for example, the evolution theory, it's still a theory till today because it's not a law. When you talk about the origin of life and origin of species, you cannot with your finite mind, you know, go back millions of years and say that's how evolution started. It, it, you can't establish that as a law. So what you can do in a case like that, if you're having a conversation with your brother, you want to show them that, look, the science and, and God are not separate. They are not enemies, to say the least. You start with places where the Bible was actually much more ahead of science, at least modern day science. So when you look at the book of Job, when you look at some of the Psalms, you see that they, you know, the Psalmist was already able, to, I, I don't have all the references top of my mind right now, but the Psalmist was able to say that the earth was spherical rather than flat. You know, um, the Job was able to establish that there were planetary bodies beyond just the earth. The earth wasn't the only planet that existed, but there were other planetary bodies. Um, it was in the Bible also that it was said that the life of a human is in the blood because when you lose all the blood, you lose life, literally. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's so many biblical examples. I could list about 20 for you if you give me the chance. Um, but that's where you start. You show, and it's, as easy, it's so easily accessible. There are books about this. You can easily Google. But Google carefully. You can see some references in the Bible that show that, look, the Bible that was written centuries and millennia ago, millennia ago um, can testify to some things that science is just now coming to assert. All right, but on basic things and things about eternal life, life after death, the origin of life, science doesn't have the answers. The Bible clearly tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible clearly tells us whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Mm -hmm. The Bible is bold and, and, and certain about its statements. And I think if, it's, if we are willing to, to be objective and look into it, we will find the answers we're looking for. Thank yes. you. That was a very broad answer, like yeah. very wide. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wish we could confirm from Anonymous if we answered, but I mean, that's, that's a sacrifice of being anonymous. Of being anonymous, but yeah. anonymous, it's not so late. You can put you your can, name you can Nicodemus. and clarify. You can just Nicodemus and, and clarify your question. Yeah. But when I, when I saw that question, I started to think of like 
how it must, it must have played, or it may have played out in that person's mind. I mean, with science, yeah. we observe things, That's and true. we can touch those things. Yeah. We can use our senses mm -hmm. around those things. That's so right. how do you communicate your faith to mm. a skeptic right, when a person cannot feel, feel or touch or yeah. smell God? Great. So honestly, um, a good way to answer this, I believe, is to... First, start from the physical. Start from the things that are known and are seen. And trace it to a superior source. So, for example, in modern science, they've been able to achieve uh, a process called cloning. And I'm sure some of you already know what that is. Cloning is to make the exact replica of said object or entity or being. Whether it's an animal, and that was the first, the first cloning that happened was with a sheep. Um, so, that has happened, but the only thing that human beings have not been able to recreate. We can make a model, a replica. The only thing that we've not been able to do, amongst others, is to replicate life. To replicate life. When you see trees that were there before human existence, you need to look and say, look, these trees were there before us. This planet were there before us. This, this things that happen, you know, the, the rotation of the earth, day and night, seasons, these things are not put in place by human beings, but it's coordinated, it's regulated. There is water. In a, in a world where human beings are made of 70% of water, we live in a world that is made of 70% of water. We have the right entities, the right atmosphere uh, constituents. We have all these things. And when you look at it, you, the natural man, no matter who you are, would know, look, there was, there's something beyond us that had to have put these things in place. Mm -hmm. And everybody who is in the scientific um, kingdom, what's a kingdom, scientific world, will come to a place and realize, look, okay, we don't know everything. But there's a place, and this is what faith is in a nutshell. It's, it's a bridge in the gap of knowledge. Where, where there's a gap in knowledge, faith bridges that gap. So you might not know everything for, so for some of you as believers, you're like, wait, okay, we were, where did we come from? God created us. Where did God come from? And whoever created God, who created that one that created God? And you have an infinite regression. At the end of the day, you have to come to a place where it's, okay, I believe God. I wasn't there in the beginning, but God did create us. And I think that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. That faith bridges the gap in knowledge. So uh, I think that's one way to go about that question. And just, yeah, start from the physical, what is seen. Help the person realize that, look, there's, this, there's a being beyond us that put these things in place. And then help them understand that faith is a bridge to a gap of knowledge. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Piki. There was one teaching you had, I think it was in early September. It was not the main course of the teaching, but you said it in person how even though science explains a lot of things, yeah. it doesn't mean God was not the cause of those things. Yeah. So, for yes. instance, we can say that... Um, the big the world started with the big bang theory mm -hmm. for instance but who banged the bang mm. <laughs> did you get mm. so the science could have explained it that way but that does not mean god did not do like yeah god did not create the yes, universe yes, exactly. it doesn't you know they don't have to be mutually exclusive yeah. every time and the you know, balance is where, as you mentioned, we have faith yeah. when we don't understand, when things don't add up.
yeah. for us. Thank you so much for that. And for the person that asked this question, Pascal actually wrote a book on this, Prove It, right, where, he <laughs> where he explains so many aspects, like so many gray areas and how, you know, you have a question, how do you know God in this area? How do I prove my faith to the next person? It's a very detailed book. And if you would like to, you know, get a copy or just get more resources around that, please just... Send us email, drop your email. I really love you to drop your email somehow and we'll find a way to get it to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, since we're still on the topic of faith, Chia Zam, Zam, Zam <coughs> has a question and she okay. says, Why has the frequency of miracles dropped today? Why don't we see all healed like Jesus mm. and the apostles' days? Isn't concluding lack of faith an easy way out? Mm. That's a brilliant question and I wouldn't. Uh, I would be honest to say that that's a question many Christians ask mm -hmm. way too often, myself inclusive. Mm -hmm. Because when, when, you, when you look at the Bible days, and let me just put it this way, when you look at the Bible days, the apostolic age, when the, the gospel was being advanced and people were, were uh, spreading the gospel and witnessing to people, you'd see such a dramatic turn. You'd see such um, you know, aggressiveness to the preaching of the gospel. And the signs were so obvious, you know, everywhere they went, people were healed, people were, um, even in the days of, of, of Jesus, our Lord, you'd see that people were healed. Everyone who came to him turned back healed. And when you look at that, that's inspiring. It's like, this is my life. This is who I can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But then I, you know, we get to a point where we look at our own lives and we're like, hmm, I don't exactly see this thing happening. The, the miracle the counts of miracle are not just as much. I think a lot of believers don't argue the fact, maybe they do, right? But I'm sure your question is not, do miracles still happen today? Mm -hmm. It's more about the frequency. Do miracles happen today? Yes, 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 and yes. They are replete. I've seen them by the grace of God, privileged to rock them by my hands, privileged to see them in my hands, privileged to see some people in ministry if I do this, you know, minister to people and get them healed, get them, uh, you know, give them a word of knowledge and, and things like that. Um, and I've seen it, I mean, on a global scale, the crusades happening, you hear stories of people being healed, legit stories, people who never walked, blind eyes who had never seen, deaf ears who had never listened. And so you start to see these things happening and, and it shows that God still works. The power of Jesus is still alive, is still, you know, efficacious today. However... Why are we not seeing the frequency of miracles like we see? And here's, I'll say, say it in two ways. The first thing is this. The first thing is this. While faith, while faith, and, and I'm trying to be a bit careful what I'm going to say. While faith is a requirement for healing. Faith is a requirement. Anytime Jesus was going to heal anybody, you know, he would say, um, be it unto you according to your faith. And in the time of Paul, Paul saw a man who was lame, um, just like John and Peter had seen someone who was lame at the beautiful gates when he was ministering. He saw that this man, the Bible says he perceived that this man had faith to be healed. And he said, rise up. He told this guy to get up. And it happened. So faith is important, right? Um, but I, I believe for the urgency uh of the work and the unique placement that the apostles had. By the way, 
the early apostles that we had, including Paul, we cannot have those kinds of apostles anymore. I know that we have apostles today in the sense of people who are planting churches and establishing doctrine, uh, pushing back the forces of darkness. That's what apostles do, but not in the same sense as the original 12 with the inclusion of Paul because those guys had authority to build the church, to lay down doctrine and to build and establish orthodoxy, which we cannot do. Our job is to preserve what was laid on, laid, laid down. Paul says to build upon the foundation. So I believe they were in a very strategic position where the, how do I say it? Should I say the magnitude of the work that they had to do needed the signs to follow. Like the signs, there was more of an, uh, should I say, concentration of miracles in those days in the apostolic age. Um, that's, that's what I'm saying first. That's the first thing. Just hold it in one hand. The second thing I would say is, I honestly believe that maybe a reason we're not seeing as, as much miracles as we ought to see is maybe because we're not, we're not out there. Like, maybe we're not out there as much as we're supposed to. I, I, if you ever showed up for a crusade by a Daniel Kolenda or Brian Bunke, who were partners in ministry, the miracles they would count in a single meeting, it, it's, it's, it's in thousands and thousands of numbers. Thousands of people. When you talk about those crusades, when you talk about camp meetings, when you talk about um, online programs that some of you already know of, where people join in to pray, miracles are happening. Um, but I find that when you're on the field doing the work of Christ, especially missionaries, a lot of missionaries will tell you that these things happen. The frequency is unheard of. Of people who come to faith in Christ, but also people who experience the gifts of the Spirit, who experience miracles and healings. Um, I would say that in my life personally, when I compare it with what happens in Bible days, and we don't have texts that tell us, oh, and Peter tried to heal this person, the person did not get healed, he prayed again another time. We don't hear things like that. All we hear is the person was prayed for and the person was healed. Um, but Jesus did hint something again that when he went to certain places, um, people dishonored him. He went to a particular place, his hometown, and they dishonored him and he could not do any mighty work there. However, I'm sure your question is more in the line of even the people that are willing to get healed. Why is it that sometimes your faith is there, their faith is there, they are there, <laughs> the power of God is present. Why are they not getting healed? I don't have all the answers when it comes to healing. I'll be honest to say that. Because healing is one of the most dynamic topics mm -hmm. in the Bible. It's, it, there's no one way, hard and fast rule, timeline. But what I can tell you is that it always works. It always helps to put the Word of God above our feelings. Mm -hmm. It always works to put the Word of God over our experiences. And that's how we see more miracles. I remember the story of Heidi Baker when she moved to Mozambique as a missionary. And the Lord told her that there's a healing ministry on her life. She was so excited. She went out to... to to lay hands on blind people, deaf people, and no results. She said she tried this for about 20-something times, nothing. It was, was only after a few 20 times that she saw the first person get healed. And she was already getting discouraged, but she said, the Lord said it, and I believe it's going to happen. And then from there, it opened up a floodgate of miracles that inspired many more people, and they heard the testimonies and inspired many more people, and the healings grew and grew. So... 
I, I hope this answers. I don't have the definite answer, but I can say every time you put yourself out there, <coughs> you go to witness, the Lord will always confirm his word, his gospel, with signs and wonders following, as Hebrews chapter 2 talks about. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's uh, how I answer that. If, if, you, if you see it, it, a dissimilarity, it's because as much, I, I believe that there was, a, there was a difference in the age that we are living in and when the apostolic age started in terms of uplift and momentum. But I believe today, if you're talking frequency, as far as your eyes can see, as, as far as your heart can desire, you can see the same frequency. I believe it. Mm. I do believe it with all my heart. Yes. Thank you. Thank okay. you so much for that. Um, when you were talking about Heidi Baker, yeah. you spoke about how the Lord told her she had a healing ministry. Yeah on her life and I just think about this example I mean as believers we have the great commission given to us to go out into the world and teach the gospel to all nations yeah. right and mm -hmm. that's for all of us yes. but still in the church we have teaching gifts yes. we have um, ministerial offices exactly. in the body of Christ exactly. so with a, a, a subject like healing yes I see where you're going yeah. with this yeah. it, it, like while we can all pray for people to be healed, healed is there a point where it should be escalated, for lack of a better phrase. Okay. Or is there such a thing as um, a healing gift, like the office of a healer mm. in the body of Christ? Mm. I, I, that's a brilliant question, really. And it's a great follow-up to Chazam's question. I do believe one reason that um, you, you get to see more miracles is when you are specially gifted for it. So while everybody's expected to teach, everyone's expected to prophesy and speak in tongues, you'll find some people who excel in it much more. You had someone literally called the prophet Agabus in the, in, in the book of Acts, who, was, who the body of Christ then knew was a prophet. So he would literally just do some pro-papa stuff. He'd just say, hey, tomorrow morning, a bird is going to poop on your shoulder and it's going to happen. Like he was that good. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that there were people who also had... Um, very strong healing ministries. I know a couple personally, um, and yeah, it, it, you, those people have it happen effortlessly. It's beautiful, um, but many times I, I believe apostles. If anyone who's called to be an apostle, many times they will function well in healing gifts, power gifts, because of the of the need to to proclaim the name of Christ for it to to wow, be spectacular as much as it's effective. So I do believe apostles and sometimes, and many times, evangelists will function in those gifts much more. Um, should you escalate in a case where it's not working, you're doing expelliarmus, expelliarmus, expelliarmus is not working. <laughs> now call Dumbledore, Dumbledore, I beg, someone help me. For Harry Potter fans, you probably understand what I'm saying. Um, I don't think so. I don't think it's biblical to do that. I've never seen any, except the disciples and... When Jesus heard the disciples say, we've not been able to cast out that devil. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, you faithless generation. It was, he rebuked them. I don't think we escalate to other people to help. Except maybe you're new to it. You don't know how to go about it. And that's understandable. You're still growing in the faith. Um, as I know all of us are growing in the faith. But if, if you are still new, you've not really done it and had some experience. I don't see why you should escalate. You stay till that thing is done. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? And then if, if it's beyond you, you can talk to a minister, a man of God, a pastor. Maybe there's something you're missing. Maybe this is more of a word of wisdom thing. It's not necessarily healing that is needed. 
um, you know, maybe it's 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 something they just need to do and get out of the way. Then you can, in that case, you can take counsel. But when it comes to something that needs a genuine healing, mm -hmm. if you know you have the power and the power of God is resident in you, you're truly born again, you you can get that thing healed. You can get that thing healed. Thank you so yeah. much for that clarity, um, PK. And it also makes me think, in, in knowing this, that we are meant to persevere in prayer till we see results mm -hmm. and not just give up on cases. Yeah. How do we think about a scripture like James 5.14 that says, if any one of you is sick, let him call on the elders yeah. of the church to mm. pray for him. So where, mm. where's the balance in that? Okay, so that's a good one. In, in James, when he talks about calling the elders, um, that's a very good question. There is a place for that, I believe. Um, so it's it's it, we're we're working with a balance of calling the elders to anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have Mark sixteen seventeen. These times will follow them that they be, that believe. Anyone who believes, mm -hmm. they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So where's the place of calling elders? Where's the place of laying hands? I believe in that context. Um, especially when you look at how it flows, this was more within the church, right? This was more, in James, it was more intra-church than inter-church or extra-church. Let me, let me use different terms. It was more for those within the body of Christ. So if you have someone who is sick, and maybe it's a sickness that is arisen with maybe some division mm -hmm. that's happening in the body of Christ, because you see when it goes to verse 16, verse... 16 it starts to talk about if you know confess your fault one to another and you, you know forgive one another so that you may receive your healing so when it's 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 in-house it's okay to escalate to the elders it's, it's advised it's recommended that you have, you escalate to the elders if it's outside of the church you will not always have the elders to support you you're on the field the elders are back home would you do you have do you understand would you have them drive over to do the work. No, you have the ability to do it. You have the power. The Bible talks about Stephen, a man like Stephen who was a deacon. And the deacon in those days was literally a server, a food server, mm -hmm. cafeteria man or woman serving food. That's literally what he was doing, you know. And the Bible says he, he performed many miracles. He was a man full of wisdom and the spirit. He was that guy. He was a member of the church. And so... Their expectations of us, even as believers, whether you're in a place of leadership or not, everyone should be able to minister to people. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, PK. That brings so much context to those questions. I'm glad. Thank you so much. So, another juggler question. Yeah, <laughs> yes. this question is, is, is actually hot. Man, I can't get this a is breath. Not as okay. you, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, don't worry. It's okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um so this question from Grace, Grace Clark, she says, At what point does a person lose his salvation? I think how does one lose his salvation explains my question better. Hey, if we came you already you <laughs> If we came ready, okay. Uh, man, this question is so. The question is, how can one lose their salvation? Yeah, <laughs> so let me. I think this is a very good opportunity. I was going to, and I'm still going to address this in detail 
at the Immersed Bible Camp. Mm -hmm. If you haven't registered, please register. Um, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. If your friends don't have to do, um, please support them and help them register for the program. It's going to bless them. So I'll just give you a summary. When you talk about losing salvation, while salvation is a possession, you receive the Spirit of God, um, the biblical idea of salvation is a destination. The biblical idea of salvation is a destination. It, it comes off in three phases where you are initially saved, you are gradually being saved, and then you are eventually saved. Where your spirit is saved, where your soul is being saved, when your body will be saved, where you've been justified by faith, where you're being sanctified by the Spirit and the Word of God, and when you'll be glorified when the Lord returns. You're talking about salvation as a package. And the true fruit that someone is a believer is that they endure to the end. A faithful person is not just one person that has faith, one off, one off, that's it, and they're done. The true person and the proof that you really did have faith is that you stay till the end. You know, and, and there's a lot of controversy in these days, especially with celebrities who are, you know, pronounced Christians. You're talking of a Joshua Harris recently. You're talking of a Joseph Solomon. Man, what's with all these Joes? That, I don't know. Joseph Solomon, who was a YouTuber, the the YouTube. Uh, channel called Chase God Webisodes, amazing guy, great spoken word you know, poet, now says that all he felt then was legit, but he's done with that life. He's not in faith. Joshua Harris, who wrote A Kiss Dating Goodbye and Boy Meets Girl, uh, now says he's done with the faith. And a couple of other people that have said that. What do we do with this information? Do we judge them and say what they had and the experiences they had were never real? They were just faking it. Or do we say maybe this is a case of Galatians 6? Right? I always tell people that before you decide and judge that a person has lost their salvation, ask, is this a case of losing salvation, if, if that is a thing, or restoring someone who is overtaking his sin? Mm. I don't, and, and many times we put that being overtaken in his sin within a timeline. Oh, it should just be a few days. You should be naughty, but just for only a few days. What if someone is in an environment that is so toxic and so deep that they spent three years in ignorance, being deceived by the enemy? And Paul writes severally that in those last days, there'll be um, you know, deceitful spirits who would entice people and deceive people, and many would you know, fall out of the faith. It's happening. It's happening. A lot of people are going through that. But your response should not always be, oh man, we tried, oh we missed it, we, oh if only we. You still have a chance to restore. Let those who are more spiritual restore such an one who is overtaken in the fourth. That's the biblical principle. So perhaps these guys truly were saved and they just need some restoration and it might take some time. Or they never really were saved in the first place. But when it comes to losing salvation, it's more or less like saying... How do I explain it? Ah, like salvation is not when your battery... I don't know how to... I, I, I hope it, it doesn't come across as a wrong analogy, but it's like when you're charging your battery, 100% is the goal. When you charge your battery, you see your battery is charged. 
when it's at 50 percent it's what it's charging mm -hmm. it's not charged it's charging the salvation package talks about it wholesomely the one who endures to the end shall be saved that's why Hebrews talks about this endlessly. It says, hold fast the profession of your faith. It tells you to endure to the end, not like those who were in the wilderness and turned back. There is just that consistency in terms of you know, staying, remaining in the faith, holding fast the profession of your faith. And even Hebrews 6, that talks about people who the tasted of the heavenly gift, they had tasted of the Spirit, for them to be restored back unto repentance would be impossible. You read further, you see that the writer of Hebrews says, But concerning you, dear believers, I believe, I believe differently concerning things that pertain to your salvation. It talks about that, no, concerning you, you are not of those who draw back. Mm -hmm. There's a confidence to a true believer that you will endure to the end, come what may. Right? In, Gal in First John, we've studied this in chapter 2 in our series, Love Letters. Um, the Antichrist and those who came into the church to deceive people did not stay till the end. He said, because if they were of us, they would have endured to the end. But they left to prove that they were not of us in the first place. So when you talk about losing salvation, it's not just a once saved, always saved conversation, which can mislead many people. It's understanding that the salvation package is not a, it's not just that thing you step in, step out of. That's not what salvation looks like. Salvation talks about, in other words, as the Calvinists call it, or the Reformed theologians, they call it, perseverance of the saints that someone who truly is saved perseveres to the end and is kept by the power of god in perseverance i hope this helps answer the question there's so much to talk about it uh, but that's all what i can say for now amazing how you summarized <laughs> an entire session <laughs> of, of probably an entire session, an entire of session in yes. a few minutes yeah See, if you have not registered for MS, I don't know why. No, be the person that will not be messaging I'm not even. I'm not even being... 24th I'm not, yes. <laughs> of November, that place. Honestly. I forgot to get the tickets. Don't, 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 don't get do it that. now while it's still cheap, right? <laughs> and, and a lot of people don't value these things now. Now, we did a whole year program, just case in point, last in 2020. That's not a weird saying. It's 2020. That's a real year, right? 2020. Okay, it's 2020, we always say. 2020 sounds weird. Mm -hmm. But in 2020, we ran a program for a whole year. And 120 people registered. 120. Now we put price. Let me not even tell you how many people have registered, but not many. <laughs> it's not a good number. And, and these are, I mean, this, this is just for us to make the experience the best for you. Um, just, uh, should I say it here? But just, just for you to know, the, the funds for this program are coming from my pockets. Mm. Vivify is not sponsoring this program. Vivify Ministries is not. It's coming from my pocket and from very kind people who wanted to support. So for me to buy, do you know what, how expensive the venue is? We're getting you gifts. We're getting you souvenirs. We're getting you books. We're getting you what, a pen as well. We're getting mm -hmm. you food and refreshments. Mm -hmm. And we're giving you all this content, 15 hours worth of Bible training for free. And 5,000 naira is a problem. Oh, man. It's, it sucks to hear that. <laughs> please, please register. Register today. Make a decision that today is not going to pass. But you register and you also tell two other people to register. Please and thank you. Sorry for hijacking this. <laughs> no, it's thank okay. You. Thank you because me too, I was going to You're prepare going to it. I'm going to prepare it. Okay. Doing. Anytime you ask something that I know. I'm going to address doing emails, I will prepare you. This thing you're asking. You answer. Stay this thing you're asking. 
We will answer you at immense. If you don't come, so we tried. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you so much, PK. Thank you. Thank okay. Um, so, still on Grace Clark's question. She has questions. Mm. But um, let me just bundle um, the questions to make it easy to answer. So, um, now that we've, you've explained about salvation and the whole concept around losing or not losing yeah. your salvation. Now, when we pray for people that are unsaved, what, what does our prayer... Like, how does our prayer affect those people? Like, what's the effect of our prayer on unrighteous hearts, seeing that those hearts do not have the Holy Ghost? Okay. Right? Yeah. And then also, now, if Jesus has taken the consequence of our sin, which, which um, was an eternal consequence, what now is the consequence of the mistakes we make? Mm. Like, are they, are they without consequence? Mm. So, like, what's the interplay of that? Okay, that's her question summarized. Yes. Okay. All right. So on the first one, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're asking um, how um, how our prayers affect prayers the affect of that of unbelievers. Yes. So um, it, it, I believe prayer is one of the easiest, most powerful tools for evangelism. A lot of us are eager to speak but not as eager to kneel in prayer. And when you look at the, the, if you look at the way the early church had the impact that they saw, you see that the impact came as a reason of their prayerfulness. The Bible says they were praying. They were praying every day, ministering to each other, you know, gathering daily to pray. You look at Peter and John, these guys were found going to the temple to pray. And they saw the, the man at the beautiful gate. So a beautiful devotional culture. I mean, what happened when 3,000 people gathered in the upper room? What were they doing? Praying. They were praying. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's a supernatural phenomenon. And it really works. I believe that. And here's a secret. A lot of people who are unbelievers want to be saved many times more than you want them to be saved. They just don't know what salvation looks like. And it's you who will present it. I shared an example of someone in, in Dubai, in the UAE, who had everything. Who has this, this guy is earning, oh my goodness, so much money. Smelling money. Smelling money, <laughs> has a mansion, another villa, has cars of the class of Maseratis and Bugattis, Rolls Royce, all of that, you name it. And this person says, I feel something is missing. That guy, he's not your mate though. Mm -hmm. He's telling you something is missing. It tells you that everyone somehow innately has a yearning for a love that only God can feel, a satisfaction that can only come from God who created us. And because when prayer meets those kinds of hearts, when prayer meets people who want more than what their life is giving them, um, it's going to have a very powerful effect. It's going to water the ground, prepare the soil so that the planting season goes smoothly. I believe it does have an effect. I've given you some biblical precedents for it, but you try it out. And, and sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes you know, a long time for someone to realize they need it, but prayer does do the trick. Prayer really works. It's uh, The Holy Spirit, for those of you who got saved, you know that something happened where the Holy Spirit moved 
this maybe you've been in church all your life you've been hearing the same thing but there was a point where it was real and it was like whoa okay what is this it's the power of the holy spirit he he knows how to you know to should i use the word hijack and put himself in our lives and give us the right influence push us in the right direction he does that so well um, but there must be a messenger. As much as there is a pool, there must be a messenger that guides you to the promised land, which mm-hmm. is salvation. So uh, prayer is super effective. And um, on the second question, could you remind me what it is? Of consequences. Consequences, yeah. So um, on this one, it's basically, whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish. So there's an eternal consequence for not believing in Jesus Christ. It's legally binding, spiritually binding. If you truly believe in Jesus, your sins are washed away, and the wages of sin will not be death for you, but eternal life through Jesus Christ, as we see in Romans chapter 6, 23, right? So at the end of the day, this is what God affords us in Christ, forgiveness of sins, forgiveness from the freedom from the punishments, from the wrath of God. But are there still consequences for the mistakes we make now? Yes, yes, and yes. Someone who makes mistakes now is at risk of ruining their relationships, at risk of ruining their marriages, ruining their right standing in society, ruining their integrity. And if you do something that is legally, legally uh, non-compliant, you risk being jailed and imprisoned. Mm. God is not going to say, yeah, you're my son and all you need to do is uh, pray and dance and the Holy Ghost will come down. Like Paul and Silas, you're on your own. You stay there for 15 years as they've jailed you. Yeah. But here's the thing. God, God wants us to be free from both eternal consequences and earthly consequences. And that's why we are, led, we are advised to lead a peaceful life. We are, we are lead peaceful, peaceably with all men. If you're not peaceful, you are arrogant, you are angry. You punch somebody, they'll punch you back. You, know, you, you steal, you lose a lot of credibility. You cheats you're going to hurt a lot of people and so um there are consequences but in the sight of god for someone who's truly saved and truly repentant um, there are no consequences uh for you negative consequences the only consequences that are available are eternal life and inheritance in god when he returns Thank you so much. Yes. Okay, I'm sure that relieves a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I think it's funny how sometimes we have so many questions on our minds, but like we are so scared of asking because yeah. we're not sure how we perceived. Exactly. When I was younger, I remember my mom getting tired of my many questions. Mom, if you're watching, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But well, I, I used to wear the woman out. I would ask our woman out mm. things. Why well, you said this is blue? Why is it blue? Why must I eat? Why must I that? And especially in the body of Christ, we don't yeah. get the freedom to... The, people expect us to look a certain type, certain of, type way. of way. And it almost seems that as you grow in the faith, mm-hmm. you're expected to have less questions. Yeah. And that's one reason we are super grateful for you, Pastor yeah. Kenneth, that you give us the avenue to ask these questions. I mean, you teach us for a month. And then every month we get an opportunity to ask yeah, you those questions. Yeah. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Again. Thank, thank you, you too. so much. Yeah. You're far too kind. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. still speaking on consequences. You know that thing when you're younger and they'll tell you that, ah, don't say that thing. The angel is passing. Don't say it. Don't say it. Mm-hmm. Is there any 
truth in it? It's still a question from Grace Clark, yeah. but is there any truth in it? Does the devil take advantage of what we've said in recklessness? Yeah. In fact, that's a very good question, and not just the devil, angels too. I mean, it was Zechariah who did doubt the announcement of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. and the angel took matters and says, Hey, so you mean I wasted it? Do you know how much transport from heaven to here is? I mean, I wasted my time to tell you, John, the, your, you have a son called John, and you don't be, you'll be deaf and you'll be dumb. Mm. Angel, there was consequence for his actions with an angel. And, and, and when we speak loosely or, or do things loosely, um, demons have, they're very cunning and they're very observant. So I'll give you a very simple example. Um, so I remember there was someone, we were going to pray in school, back in school. We we're going to minister to someone. And we're praying for this person. This person was manifesting. This person was all over the place, aggressive, almost hurting himself and hurting us. And this guy, I was like, okay, you go ahead. You pray for this guy. I wasn't scared. I promise. I wasn't scared. I wasn't. But I just wanted to... <laughs> take your words for it. I'm serious. <laughs> I, I just said, okay, you know, just try it. Just, just pray for this guy. And he went laid hands on this person as I was about to pray for this guy the guy who was possessed was like mm, leave me alone you that you never fast you've not fasted and you that you've been with that girl just casting this guy like this in front of us we're like eh this guy's hand was like this he just he just carried for pockets ah I just looked at it, saying the name of Jesus leave him leave him now get mm. And leave him now. And this guy was was fine, done. He was gone. You know, he was he was free. But the the devil took advantage of this guy's actions and used that for condemnation, so much so that he couldn't do a healing because he thought, because he hadn't fasted, because he was having some fling with a girl, he couldn't make that healing happen. You know, so the devil will get you. The devil can even take it the the, the other step and say you're not a child of God. True child of God doesn't do this. Who, who says you're a child of God? How can you be a child of God? Come on, don't deceive yourself. He's cunning. He knows. He sees. He has demons. They know what you do. They've seen what you do. They can capitalize those things and start to, you know, um, use that for, for different things. And, and even in a, in a diabolical sense, when people start to go to native doctors for help and things like that, they get results. Mm. The devil is good at that. He, you will get results. Though. It works. But he will, take, he will take it back. He will claim it one day. He will, he will get what he wants from you back. And it's always going to be bad. Ritual killings, they work. As much as we see them in movies, they actually do yield results. But the consequences are always great. Mm. Always great. Mm. Okay. okay, thank you for that, PK. So in saying that um, the devil is able to capitalize on... Uh, actions mm -hmm. or things like that like in the story you shared does he then have access in our mind to our mind so much so that he can influence our thoughts i, I know this you know happens in times of temptations yeah. right mm -hmm. like how we can get tempted in our minds but like can the devil actually influence your actions against your will absolutely not except in cases of possession um, if you're talking about someone who is possessed, you, you, a lot of things you're doing are not according to you. It's not what you chose to do. You find people who are possessed, 
you know, describing it as being drawn to do things they didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of oppression, which is a different thing, it's more external, I believe that even as a believer, you can be influenced, you can be tempted. Jesus, our Lord himself, was tempted by the devil. And I have reason to believe it was in his mind. It was not a physical appearance because if he was going to take Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple, people would have shared the story that we did see one guy who looked homeless at the top of the temple. We don't know what he was doing there, but he seemed to be talking to an invisible voice or a physical (laughs) character, a guy cloaked in black. None of that. So it was a temptation done in his mind, which we also experience. And that's why sometimes it might even sound like your voice. The devil can sound like it's, your, like it's your voice telling you these things, but it's him influencing them. And that's where the discernment of spirits, which is a gift of the spirit, comes into play to discern the activity of the enemy and dispel it at first chance. So, yeah. Thank you. All right. so, still on demon possession, can, someone is asking, can someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit be demon-possessed? I have biblical reason. There's a classification there. I don't know what it is. But I have biblical reason to say that... Biblical reason to say that we, as believers, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, cannot have... You cannot share the house of God with the house of um, Baal, right? Like... As the Bible says, yeah, it cannot be unequally yoked. How can light have relationship with darkness? How can the temple of God, you know, be able to accommodate the Baal, like the prophets of Baal that Elijah slew? So it's it's talking about if God has it and dwells in a place, He doesn't share the place. He doesn't share with anyone. It's His temple. You get out. You can't stay in this temple. And I don't believe that believers who are spirit filled can have another spirit dwell in them. The the, the story Jesus told is if a demon finds a place empty, not filled with the Holy Spirit. It goes back and gets seven stronger demons to inhabit that place. And you see that in the case of Mary Magdalene. She was possessed of, of a legion of spirits. You see another person who Jesus was going to heal who said, he responded and said, I am legion. There were many. So um, I don't believe believers who are filled with the Spirit can house another spirit. I don't believe it. Can de- believers, however, be oppressed? Absolutely, absolutely, and it's crazy how often this happens and how unnoticed it goes. Mm-hmm. A lot of the depression, the sadness, loneliness that a lot of Christians feel, there's, there's a real side of it where it's circumstantial, but there are other sides where it's oppression, demonic oppression, where you, 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 you dwell and sink in anxiety that is almost unnatural. You're overthinking of something that really you shouldn't think about. There's oppression when... Sometimes the enemy capitalizes on cycles, vicious cycles in your life and habits and makes them unbearable and help and makes them lead to other things and opens the door even further. This could be demonic oppressions. It could be in form of sickness. You're, you're just unnaturally sick and weak. It's oppression. So while we cannot be possessed, I believe that uh, believers can be oppressed externally. But we have our weapons. The, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we, you know, wrestle against principalities. We can fight them. The Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God so we can prevent these things from happening. So, uh, yeah, I do believe we cannot be possessed by an evil spirit, but we can be influenced. Sometimes so much so that it starts to look like a possession. <laughs> All right. So that's what I'll say about it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. Um. 
following up with the question on like if we can possess and have the Holy Ghost at the same time, um, someone's asking you. Are we going to go to the live questions after this? Sure. Thank you yes, for the reminder. Okay. I have not seen anyone raise their hand. So please, if you have a question, just signify and then I, I'll give you a turn to speak and ask your questions. I'm yeah. so sorry about that. Um, okay, so someone is asking, Grace Clark actually, she's asking um, from the scripture in First John that says you cannot have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. If darkness here is sin, for every time we sinned or uh, make a mistake, are we walking in darkness and do we not belong to God? Okay, so it's in the teaching love letter, I, I clearly, clearly said that the light and the darkness um, in one verse talks about knowledge okay. in terms of knowledge, relationship with God. If you say you have fellowship with God, but you don't, you're in darkness. Do you understand? If you do have fellowship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, you're in the light. In another sense, he talks about it in terms of nature. If you don't have, if you're not born again, your nature is of darkness. But if you truly have believed in the Son and you have fellowship with Him, your nature has changed, you are in the light. So it's not necessarily about the action, it's more about the nature and it's also about the relationship. So I think that helps clarify it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Piki. Right. So for the live questions, we have four people ready to ask questions. Ooh, nice. How we will do it is... By um, the way, I forgot. I meant to ask questions. So maybe we can take a break. I want to ask two questions. And I'm sorry, guys, with your hands up. Can you take your hands down now? I, I want everyone to answer these questions. Please just take your hands down. I want to ask some questions. And I'm going to give prizes. Two questions. So it's fastest fingers first. Very amazing prizes. Those that I have asked questions in the past, if they can testify, I have, I have fulfilled my commitments. All of them. Yes. You've gotten your gift. Well, and you know you have. Yes, yes. <laughs> And I, I just like to reward participation and a keen interest in the Word of God. So please lower your hands if you're there. Um, but at the end of the day, it's fastest fingers first. First person to answer, whether you shout it out or you type it in the, in the chat section. So I'm going to ask two questions. And whoever answers first and correctly will get the answer. All right. Let me answer... Let me ask the questions. Okay, Chairs, I'm even sent a reminder on this. Thank you. Thank you. All right, first question. First question. Are you ready? This is the first question. And please, I would like you to help me check who, who answers. Okay. Uh, who answers first. For this one, actually, you need to be audible. If you're on Mixlr, type as fast as you can in the chat section because it's quite the question. Um, this is the question. What are... The four P's of sin and explain them briefly. What are the four P's of sin and explain them briefly? The rapper has raised her hand. So the first yeah. person. Ah! Answer if you're ready to answer. Unmute your mic and answer. Devil, please unmute your mic if you're ready to answer. And then check Mixelar. I don't want us to use hands that are raised. Just if you want to answer, answer. You can increase the volume as well. Okay, so talking. Change the sound to speaker, I think you can change. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Give me a second. Over here. I think someone is speaking. Okay. 
Do that for you, Do Yes, go ahead, please. No, Chazam cannot answer. No, Chazam cannot answer. Chazam cannot answer. Okay, Chazam, please, you can't answer Dolap or any other person. Please go ahead. What is it, Leah? Who's answering my question? Who's going to answer this? I think there's a slight lag. It feels like someone is talking on that system. I can't. Mm. Oh, Jalapa said she realized that she's still thinking. Sorry, Jack Reflex. Yeah, anybody can answer this. Is anybody answered on Mixer? It's going, going, gone. If nobody can answer, then it's lost. Can Pastor Chisoma answer? No, you cannot. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, there's no answer. I, I surprising that uh, even no right notes, no right church notes during service. You can check your notes, so there's a reason you write. Yes, Messi, Messi, I could go on um, Mixer. Please answer. Go ahead, please. Grace Clark wanted to answer. Please unmute your mic. Ah, for no, uh, no, see, no, ex- no executives. No executives. Yes, because of the nature of the prize. Ah. Yes. I, see. I want to give a chance to. Okay, I think someone can not hear. Someone is speaking, but we can't hear. Hold on, please. Let me look through. Who just spoke, please? Yes, please come again. Yes. <laughs> Bible scholar. 
All right. Do you guys believe she's correct? She just plenty English, but is she correct? So people will start saying, "That's what I wanted to say." Oh. <laughs> ah, it's true. She's correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Give give your hands together for her. Uh, that was wonderful. Very good dollar course. She ah. wants to collect prize every week. I'm telling you. I'll be every month. I said, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you think we should buy tambourine for um, our next Q&A? So that when people answer, I'll say, shh. That's a good surprise next, next Q&A. My pocket is, is, is red. Your pocket will never be red. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're such a millennial. <laughs> uh, please, next question. Next question, guys. So, Dolapo, you're going to get your gift. I'll tell you what the gift is after the second question. And Dolapo, no, you cannot answer the second question. All right. Second question is this How does God correct the believer? How does God correct or discipline the believer? Seeing that Messi also answered the previous question on um, Messi Akogu. No yeah, but she didn't explain on Mixelar. She asked on Mixelar, but she did not explain, and it came four minutes ago. So that was still the um, answer. Happy we not giving excuses. Yes, we're not giving excuses. Okay. Um. And is anybody answering? How does God correct the believer? Who is speaking? Grace? Alright, go ahead. Okay, can you explain a bit further? Is she correct? These are the issues. Hmm. These are the questions. Let the asker. Are you sure she's correct? Please say she's correct. She's correct. Word of God and ministry (laughs) gifts. That's it. So God does not correct us by flogging. Exactly. People need flogging. What of lightning bolts? These are things I've I've been teaching. Lightning bolt. I think you don't say lightning bolt. You know all those people that used to cut a ah, video and now cut this one. I'll not be trending. Eh, that's not <laughs> trend like this. <laughs> Correct, Grace. Well done. Well done. You're going to get uh, your gift as well. Put your hands together for Grace. Well done. Invisible Shakere. 
<laughs> so Thank you, Grace. this is what the gift is, right? The two of you get tickets to Immerse Bible Camp. And I know Dolakbo has a ticket, a ticket already that she bought, but you get to gift this ticket to someone else. But let me give you another option so you're not tied. You either cash this in as a gift or you use it and give it to someone else who you want to be at the Bible camp. Choose wisely. So it's your choice. But for Grace Clark, I'm not sure you've registered. So it's a free ticket for you to register for the Bible camp. So you get a free scholarship to enroll for the Bible camp in November. Awesome. Congratulations, guys. All right, so uh, I think if they have questions now, they can raise their hands up. Yes. And for Piki, as we are being followers of Christ, mm -hmm. and, and we follow those that have gone ahead of us, mm -hmm. I want to follow you too in your generosity. Okay. If I have a gift, can I give it out? By all means. <sighs> Thank you. By all means. Okay. I didn't see this coming. I'm full of surprises. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> So during PK's last teaching, he he quoted um, someone's commentary. Who was that person? Name and surname, like the full name and what he quoted. This Ooh. last teaching. Yikes! Yikes! No, uh, because it's not um, PK's gift. It's it's my gift. Can she has an answer? She has a. Uh, I think it's I think it's only. F no, Chazam can answer. It's 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 not it's not an immersed ticket. Chazam can answer. Anybody can answer. No, I said the person he quoted and what he quoted. You <laughs> <laughs> want free gifts just like that? Like lock it. <laughs> Yes, person and the quotes. Let me check my mixer there, people. Messi, answer now. I call the Messi. Type it. Who is going to win this? Happy kiss. Someone said nice shoes. Oh, my. Beautiful are the feet of those. Backstory. Backstory. Since oh, this really setup, Piki has been put oh, really his leg up. Oh, Meet some oh, wear white shoes. Oh, kick the devil. Kick the devil uh, in this place. It's okay. It's okay. You kick him back. Glory to God. Ah. Damilola remembers the quotes paraphrased. Do you remember the name of the person, too? Uh, if anyone can paraphrase the question is how do. and the name of the person, I will give you the gift. But that means you that car you were talking about, the car you bought for whoever gets it. I have I bought myself cars. <laughs> hey, thank you for believing in me, Piki. Believing you so much. I appreciate it. I do. You always look out for me. <laughs> Let me buy a car for myself. 
okay you guys don't know so this is a sign that you need to go and be watch and digest and chew I should okay I should have it ah if it's phone uncle they should have to how ah okay I've always been so wise who told you it's cash Zamzam, it's like you credited my account recently. How do you know it's cash? So, I can't have it. Sorry, guys. Sorry, my people. Ah, don't worry. Okay, let me just... Don't worry, I'll think about it later as the host. Let me brown my generosity oh pk what do you think should i should i give it to whoever gets the name i i, I think i i don't know i think it's it's, it's become too easy then it's become too easy yeah. i follow my pastor i listen god corrects us and instructs us by ministry gifts i'm learning they'll be sending hard <laughs> questions to, uh, hey she says charles Spurgeon. Hmm, it's not Charles Spurgeon, my dear. What did Charles Spurgeon say? I did, said, I Charles, did. The grace that cannot change my life cannot save my soul. Who said that? By Charles Spurgeon. Well, who said it? Grace Clark. Is there another person answering? Mm, no. Okay. But I, 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 I get that this is a quote, but I, I specifically said the person's commentary. Commentary on the verse. Yes, yeah, so it's not Charles Spurgeon's quote. Piki, what do you think about Grace's answer? I mean, it's, it's, it's someone I quoted, but this was not a commentary. And she's already uh, gotten a gift before. Oh, she has gotten get, a gift. Yeah, but she can get another gift. I don't know. But you said the lapo cannot get another gift. Okay. So in principle, <laughs> you decide. All answers matter. <laughs> <laughs> you decide. Okay. I'll t- um, Grace, I'll send you a part of the gift. Um, I'll split it between you and Chiazam. So Chiazam, can you give me the commentator's name? Chiazam, you can type the commentator's name while we go to the next set of questions. That's what Chiazam wanted to say. But that's not my answer. Well, Grace, you tried. What if you give half name? Chiazam. No. I said no. Okay, next set of questions, PK. PK, again, from your side view, Are we getting from online? Oh, it's true. You haven't yes, gotten my online people. Online. I'm sorry, it's PK's view that is distracting me. My online people, please, if you have questions, please raise your hands and I will pick you. Okay, I think your hands are raised. Ah, I can see your hands raised already. All right. Um, who do we start with? Pisayo. You raised your hand first on my end. Can you unmute your mic and speak, please? Yes, you're audible.
Ah, I was waiting for that end, like that last fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to be clear, do habits change? This person is a smoker, you know, and also maybe listens to chain smokers, the band. But this person likes this person. Can it change? Ah. What did you say? Mm-hmm. I would tell such a person to quietly and boldly have that person get some help. Um, you know how it is where in Galatians 6, the Bible said, let the, you know, the one who is, less spiritual, who is more spiritual restore the one who is overtaken in the fault. But it says also be careful lest you yourself stumble. That was the caution. Because as you're trying to change, I can change this person. I can, this person, oh my goodness, like, oh my gosh, I can change your life. Like, do you know, Deputy Holy Spirit, I can do it. And then the person will just say, as you're doing, just take one small puff. No, I don't do that. Let me just. No, I. Ooh, <coughs> Ooh it's sweet, Sha. And before you know it, you know, that's how both of you need help now. Um, yeah, such a person should just walk away. Stay, keep your distance. Help that person get some help if they want the help. If they don't want the help, you have no business being with them. It's a different situation if the person really wants help and you really like this person. Get the person help, but. I think it's also going to be a bit difficult when you put yourself in a timeline that, okay, let me just be with this person till... Um, I know you can feel like you're discarding the person, you're not staying with them when they need you the most. Be there for them, be a friend, you know, support them in that process of rehabilitation. But don't put your, all your eggs in that basket and base it on their wellness before you can be with them. Um, but in that moment ask do you need some help do you need to stop this i think you do they put this literally on cigarettes and i don't know if a lot of people know this that smokers are liable to die early so what happens is smokers will get not even might will get lung cancer i've seen it on a cigarette box before so it's like you are literally walking into an early death if not for any moral reason there is a health reason mm. so when you, when you step out and say, look, this is not going to end well. And if there's anything, Paul says, I will not be mastered by anything. If there's anything that masters you, controls your actions, makes you dependent on it rather than on God and the Spirit. Where, you know, rather than being drunk with wine or being high on smokes, you know, he says, be filled with the Spirit. That person automatically needs help. If they don't want help, they are resistant to help, do whatever you can, you know, to get help, but you need to walk away from that. Because that's someone who is not teachable, that's someone who is not repentant, that's someone who is not moved by the Spirit to identify a problem and want help. So that's going to be a problem if you're if you enter a relationship with such a person. So get that person help. Get if if, if it's beyond you, escalates to someone who can. And if not, you've done your best. You as Jesus instructed the disciples, if they don't accept you, you dust your feet and you walk. As painful as it is, there's emotions involved. You really like this person. They're not a bad person, really, but they're struggling with something so dangerous that it can be dangerous to both of you. 
And that's why you need to make that decision as painful as it might be. Uh, it's easier said than, than done, but uh, that's really what it is. For some reason, I feel, I feel sad. Because like, like while you were answering the question, mm -hmm. I just wanted to put myself in her shoes. Yeah. <coughs> Imagine you now, mm -hmm. full package, I just, it's okay. <laughs> 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 Imagine now, <coughs> let's backtrack to two years ago mm -hmm. when we wanted to start dating and then I find out that you tick all my boxes, when but you smoke weed, mm. right? Like, I, you know many times how we are about to make a decision and we, you know, tend to close our eyes to important things. I want to just hammer on the fact, yeah. what, what is so wrong about smoking weed? Like, if you would not, okay, if, if it's a case where because he's smoking weed, she should not, you know, make the decision to date, does that now apply for someone who's struggling with a sexual addiction? Right, so if you find out that your partner is struggling with a sexual addiction, or your your partner to be is struggling with a sexual addiction, is it the same, you know, set of answers? Oh, don't go in with this person mm -hmm. till the person gets help. Yeah. Especially seeing that habits change over a long period mm -hmm. of time. Mm -hmm. So my question is, my question is, um, in two ways. One, what's so wrong with Smoking weed. Okay. Right. Secondly, does it apply for every other kind of habits, including sexual habits? All right. So I'll answer this question and we'll check back with Fisaya if it answers or mm -hmm. helps answer the question. Besson actually asked the question on Slido as well. Ah, okay. All right. So, um, first of all, what's so wrong about smoking weed? So, it could be from the question, it could be nicotine, actual cigarettes, it could be weed. Or it could be some other drug. It could be meth. It could be... I don't know what people are smoking these days, but there's a lot. Mm -hmm. Weed, marijuana, same buckets, um, crack, pots, whatever name you want to call it. Um, so, it's a... a v I mean, vastly, it's... it's a, What's it called? It's a, I don't know if it's a psychedelic anymore. But people take it to get high. Right? People smoke this thing to get high and while in itself sometimes weed might not be as dangerous as nicotine cigarettes um, at the same time smokers are liable to die whether it's smoke from weed or smoke from nicotine or smoke from meth if you smoke you will have issues with your lungs in the long term if you're exposed to smoking for a long term medically proven um, second thing is when you are dependent on something like weed a lot of people use it like they use it for alcohol. And, I'm, and a lot of people say it's medicinal, there's medicinal marijuana. Look, if it's not prescribed by a doctor, it's not medicinal. Take it or leave it. It's not, at least in the side of the medical society. So if you're self-using, it's, it's actually drug abuse. It's a form of drug abuse. When you use something that is not prescribed, it's drug abuse. So when you take it, 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 gives, it has the effect of releasing endorphins and hormones, you know, oxytocin, where you can, it gives you some sense of pleasure, happiness, can numb down depression or pain points in your life. And so it becomes a dependent drug where you cannot be happy unless you take this thing or you cannot be fulfilled or you cannot be creative. Some people use this for that too, until you take this thing. When you're dependent on a substance for something that the Holy Spirit should provide for you, it's automatically a sin. It's done out of faith. It's done out of dependence on that thing. So those are the few things I can say that are wrong. There's a health hazard to it. It's also from a spiritual 
um, vantage point that it's, it's, it's unhealthy for you as a growing believer you know, in, the, in the Holy Spirit. Um, on the second part, is it in the same category with someone suffering from a sexual addiction? Um, yes and no. I'll say, <laughs> sounds diplomatic, but I'll explain why. Um, first of all, uh, a drug addiction or you know, smoking addiction um, is a bit more demanding. For example, if you take someone off a drug addiction, it's, it's different. Like you see, when they go into cold turkey, which is what you describe the, the period when you stop taking the drug, there are physical manifestations. Your body shakes, your temper, you get sick, you run a fever. So literally, you need medical help. Um, so in, in, that, in, the, in the sense of the intensity of the help, it's, it's not really in the same category. But where it's similar, I do believe that people who have sexual addictions, they need to go through rehab. It's my personal opinion. And rehab is not a four-wall medical society with a bed where they give you treatment. It could be counseling within the church. It could be accountability. But it needs to be rehabilitation where your mind is renewed, where you are actively vulnerable with someone who is you know, flooding you with the right information mm -hmm. of who you are in Christ. There needs to be re rehabilitation. Um, but it's, it's still the same thing. At the end of the day, if the person involved is not willing to do better, to repent, to get better, it's a red flag. Whatever, whatever the addiction, whatever the nature is, if there is no conscious action and step taken to grow from that addiction, to be free from it, uh, it's, it's still always going to be a red flag. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Piki. I think that drives it home for a lot of people. But Fisario, please confirm to us that <clears throat> that answers the question. Um, please confirm to us that that answers the question. Thank you. To you can drop your hand if you have no other question. <coughs> Thank you. Don't you cook? Please, could you go ahead? Don't you go away there? In the chat section, okay. Um, while he types that out, Daniel, can you go ahead with your question, please? Already? Okay. Oh, great. So he said, how does God punish his children according to Hebrews 12, 6 that says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Many versions say the word punish while some go as far as saying scourge. So how does God punish his children according to Hebrews 12, verse 6? Yeah, so that's a very good question. Um, and we, I asked that question earlier, how does God correct his children? How does God teach them or discipline them? And that scripture in Hebrews 12 is like, you know, it starts by saying, when we go through certain things, it's, it's painful for a while, but it's, we're better for it. You know, and people misinterpret that scripture to mean that God brings terrible things your way to teach you a lesson. 
So like with Job, Job went through all that he went through because God was trying to teach him a lesson. Or that um, anyone who experiences a sickness or a pain, God is using that to teach a lesson. But quick question. Quick question. How does bringing calamity end up teaching someone the right thing to do? Do you understand? Now, I'm not saying that from a bad situation, you can't learn lessons. Right? Like Job learned he was a self-righteous brat and learned how he had been you know, self-righteous before God through tragedy. Right? The devil brought the tragedy upon Job, not God. So, in a case like other cases where we get into, I'm sure what I'm saying already, people already have questions about Job. Mm. Um, but when we talk about discipline, God's idea is a wholesome discipline. It's one that aims to make you, without lack, complete in the will of God. It's one that aims to help you with your walk of righteousness. So if, if, if God is to flog you, and if you look at it clearly, it never mentions how God disciplines. It just explains that momentarily it might not be pleasurable, but it's for your good. So if it's not flogging, if it's sickness, if, if that's the case, why did Jesus spend all his life, his ministry, healing people of sickness? If God was teaching all these people lessons, why is God in flesh interrupting his own operations by healing these people? Mm. Why? Mm. If it is a case of, um, you know, he's killing people, why did Jesus come to brace people from the dead and bring people to life? Why did he give eternal life through his death on the cross? So, at the end of the day, God, what lesson is learned, even when you think about it, when you kill someone, what lesson does the person <laughs> learn? Do you understand? It's, it's just not God's way. So, how then does God shout at you? Does he slap you? How does he discipline? Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen talks about it. Every all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for what reason? For doctrine, to give you a set of teachings, for correction, for reproof, and instruction in righteousness. For what reason? That the man of God will be perfect, lacking nothing. So God has designed his word to have the power and ability to transform a life. And when you're being corrected, it's a painful process. When the word of God comes to you, it's, it's not easy to accept it. But it's for your own good. It's for your own benefit. I do not doubt that out of difficult situations that God did not create, you can learn things. You can get better in that process. It was in the time where um, Paul, in Second Corinthians 12, was given a thorn in his flesh by a messenger of Satan. He realized that that process made him more humble because he had just ascended into heaven in a vision. The third heaven, he had seen things that he could not utter with his words. It was grand. You know people that just have small dreams, they will come and start saying, I went to heaven, I went to hell, and they will talk. It gives you some sort of superiority. And he was getting there. But he said this thorn in his flesh was given to him to buffet him, but it humbled him. Was the messenger of God or of Satan? Was Satan. But was something good brought out of the situation? Yes. So I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but God will not send bad things to teach you a lesson. Every good and perfect gift is from God, who is the Father of light, 
you know, with whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning. So all good gifts must come from God, or else if it's not good, it's not God. I believe God's method is beyond giving physical pain to his children. And even when you look at parenthood today, um, a parent who only flogs and beats is not effective. I believe God is smarter than our human parents. I believe it. I don't know about you. But when you flog a child and flog a child and you don't educate the child, you are not disciplining the child. It's almost going to be a form of abuse. It's borderline abuse. A child, I've seen a parent, <laughs> God, I was so irritated. I actually shouted at this woman. It was at a family church. Her child was trying to pick up something and she was like, don't stop, pa, don't, but just, I'm like, ah. I said, I said, madam, sorry, sorry. Just tell him what to do. Why are you, why are you beating this young man? Like, the boy literally didn't know what he was doing wrong. She was just flogging, flogging. I believe God is more intelligent than that. He educates. He doesn't abuse. He is that good a father. There's so much more to say about this, but I think with this, the wholesomeness of scripture, we can, we can put the speculations within a, a box and say, God will not give you something evil. He will educate better, and better, I beg your pardon. He will educate better than just inflicting pain. And it's always God's will and that his word cha changes us and makes us better. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, PK. I think the main issue he also had, like he, while you were answering, he sent in another like, clarification. The main issue he had was with the word punishment. Okay. Right? Like, you know how when we read through scripture, we see some words, and then when we look holistically through other scriptures, as you've said, we are able to balance out what the scripture was actually saying. Sometimes it's when we look at those other scriptures that we realize, oh, this was a metaphorical yeah. picture yeah. of what we were trying to describe. Like in Hebrews 12, he described um, how um, earthly fathers also correct their children. Yeah. I use that as an analogy. Mm -hmm. But um, how do you now like, strike the balance when you're reading, when you're not trying to... Because in one of your teachings, you give the example of how when you when you are reading scripture, you yeah. should read in context and read literally till um, there's a reason to not read it not literally. read literally. Yes. So in this context where the word punishment mm -hmm. is used, if there was no Q and A, how would Udochuku know that this punishment is not the same kind of punishment that was, you know, literally said they're scourging, yeah. beating and things like that. Alright, so um, I would explain and thank you for the question. I think we should go to the text mm -hmm. and to be very clear. I'll read from the NIV. Let me see if I can read from the NKJV as well. So Hebrews chapter 12. Let me read from the NIV. I think it's, it makes it clearer. All right, so Hebrews chapter 12, I'm reading from verse 4, right? After it's talked about run this race and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Verse 4 says, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Verse 5, And have you completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? So now he's talking in context of words, a word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he what? When he does what? Rebukes you 
rebukes you. The word rebuke is similar to the word correction mm. and instruction in righteousness. You see it in Second Timothy chapter 3. Because the Lord, verse 6, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Chasten, the word chasten um, is a disciplinary measure and often comes with education. Are you following? The root word of chastening comes with education. If you chasten someone, they need to know why they are wrong and how not to do wrong. So it's, you're talking rebuke, you're talking chastening. So while it goes on to talk about hardship, uh, and maybe the language of, of King James can be very hard, where it says, Esau have hated, mm-hmm. whereas he meant Esau, I, I, I preferred Jacob to Esau. Mm-hmm. Um, the language could be extreme as well, but clearly this is not about flogging or inflicting death or disease. You see nothing of the sort, but you see in terms of words, rebuke, chastening, you know, and all of this you can see that is done with the word of God. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I wish we had more time to dig in, but that's what I can say uh, overall. Uh, I do believe that God corrects with his word. And like Grace Clark said earlier with ministry gifts, who use his word to do the correction. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, PK. Okay, um, we are running short on time, so I'm going to just share how the rest of the questions would go. We have Daniel and MJ that have live questions, so I would like both of you to ask your questions. Daniel okay. would go first, then um, MJ would ask her question. After which, I would run through as many questions as I can oh, on our yeah. Slido link. But we may still not be able to cover all the questions. But we promise you these questions are important. We want to address all of them. And we'll either address them in the next Q&A or we'll just share them with PK and and make sure that somehow these questions are answered. Hmm. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. These questions are answered and communicated. I don't think the video is showing anymore. A video video is showing. It's uh, intensification. Can you guys still see us? Yeah. Ah, all this beauty, people are not seeing it. Sorry, sorry, we'll, you'll see us shortly, okay? Okay, so as I was saying, um, <clears throat> so we'll make sure that these questions are answered in the best way possible and we'll communicating maybe a video or a follow-up our next Q&A. So I just want to reiterate that all questions asked are important and we are not like ignoring anyone. So Daniel, could you go ahead and ask your question?
Thank you for asking these questions, Daniel. Um, so if I'm getting your questions correctly, you first asked, I'm sorry, hold on. I am not sure why you guys can't see us. Uh, I really hope you get to see us before the stream ends. It's being worked on right now. But just to clarify, okay, I think you can see me now, can you? just give us like one minute we want to make sure you can see us before we answer the question or pk answers the question rather while we wait i remember your question daniel and i will reiterate it to pastor kenneth um mj can you ask your question please Yes, Thank you too, MJ. Um, I've noted your questions. We are having quite an issue with this video, and I'm so sorry about that. We'll be back up in a bit. Um, Pico prefers to answer the questions by video, but please give us like a minute or two. We'll be back up. Just stay with us, please.
As I'm going elsewhere, right here, okay? We are so sorry, guys. One second. Dalapa, we're still here. Um, the video went off. I want you guys to keep seeing us so we can follow on. We'll be back shortly, please.
Okay, guys, so sorry about this. We're coming back now. Man, something really terrible happened to the camera, so I don't know what happened. But, uh, yeah, can you see us now? Can you guys see us? Can you behold our beauty? Okay, sorry again about the whole so breaking transition. Oh, sorry, so guys. Sorry. It's all movie. Alright, so can we repeat the questions? Someone have the questions for you. <laughs> Sorry, you heard them. <laughs> okay, so Daniel was asking, um, as a bubble up from Udochiku's question. Yeah. So when we, you know, pray, no, um, he was talking about a healer. He he read, he read a book rather by a healer, and the person said that he was about to pray for someone who was sick but God told him not to because the sickness was serving as a punishment in that sense for okay. that person yeah <clears throat> and while his concern is this is someone that heals people mm -hmm. on the steady mm -hmm. right and he said that this is what God said to him mm -hmm. so how do we you know he he you know read the rest of the book and tried to block that out but it keeps coming to his mind okay so could you speak please speak on that yeah so okay and then I'll he also has another question about you know warfare prayers so when people pray warfare prayers are we now like trying to say that in a sense we like does it not put us in a category where for um it almost looks like we are now having a power tussle the devil's devil us do you get like when people pray mm -hmm. this kind of prayers and Dolapo also asked the question around warfare prayers and like should they be prayed for like should we have those kind of okay. prayers in the first place and if not like how do we pray concerning wicked acts targeted towards us great so uh, on the first question with the healer who had that encounter I hope you guys can still follow us are you are you hearing this Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome, great, thank you. Uh, if you've stuck around so far, you are the real MVPs. Thank you, I love you. Um, okay, so in this case, with the healer, I'm, I'm, I have suspicions of who that might be. 
Because I have read a book similar to that. But here's the thing. Thank God we have a standard. Thank God we have the Word of God, which is our source of doctrine, which we rest upon. If it is, even if it is, like Paul said, he said, even if an angel, this is Galatians 1, he said, even if an angel of light or me myself should preach to you another gospel than what was preached, let us be accursed. He proved it by standing face to face in chapter 2 with Peter, who was being a hypocrite and was hiding from the gent, staying away from the Gentiles when the Jews were present. It's like, what kind of hypocrisy is this? Rebuked him in his face. So, in a case like this, if we see someone, no matter your ranking in the body of Christ, come out to say that God inflicts pain and punishment and sickness to teach a lesson. This is not him executing his wrath upon sin now, like in the case of the flood or Sodom and Gomorrah, but he's using it to teach someone, his child, who is born again, a lesson. And there's a, there's a sickness put upon that person to teach them. We can call that person out, like Paul called out Peter, and rebuke that person. We have biblical credence to do that. I do not believe, like I've established, that God gives bad gifts to his children. He gives good gifts. He said, how, if your fathers, your parents on earth, are able to give bread to your children and not stone, and give fish and not a serpent, how much more God will he give you good gifts? Will he give you his Holy Spirit, which is the best gift ever? So in that case, that person who wrote that book, as much as they might have believed, and I, it might not be a case of deceit, it might be what he believed was true, but still it's false. We know the character of God. We're, we're grateful to have a God who doesn't have mood swings, who we can't predict. He says he had, there's no shadow of turning with him, so his consistency we can predict. He, he, we found the, the perfect image of the Father in flesh, healing diseases rather than inflicting diseases. We saw him bringing life rather than taking life. So I think that should help answer it. And the second question, how do you do warfare? When you talk about die, die, every spirit. First of all, spirits don't die. <laughs> so when you say that evil spirit die, you're wasting your time. Even when Jesus was, was casting out a dev, uh, devils, actually a legion of devils from a man, they said, Jesus, why, son of God, why are you coming to persecute us before our time? There is an appointed time for their torment, but not then. And that's why Jesus was able, based on that principle, to cast them into the swine instead. So prayers against evil spirits that they should die, very futile. It will never work. If Jesus himself could not do it, who are you? <laughs> do you get Who are you? Um, but can you wage war against evil spirits? Yes. Can you, can, does the Bible tell us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness and unseen things? Yes. Does the Bible tell us to put on the whole armor of God to, to, to quench the fiery darts of the enemy? Does the Bible tell us to to test spirits, you know, you know, that's how we wage warfare in, 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 in the biblical case, in, uh, in, in terms of new creation realities. We wage war with the word of God, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through the pulling down of spiritual strongholds. We do that by the word of God, by the preaching of the gospel. We do that by casting out and disrupting the operations of the enemy. The Bible tells us that this sign shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. You have authority over demons. 
you're not trying to say devil leave me alone or yeah no let's fight left and right they are dancing tango with the devil that's not how it happens you enforce your authority like jesus would speak and say do you devil get out he doesn't say i beg please oh god please you've tried just if you can just for this there's an authority with which we speak because we have the authority we can use the name the authority of jesus and devils will tremble and so that's our approach to warfare we do it with the word of god we do it by the power of the holy ghost and the authority of jesus that is how we wage war we discern his activity dispel it wherever it is found that is how we wage war we wage war when we walk in the spirit and we don't walk in our flesh as little as and small as that sounds we are fighting the work of the enemy in raising a godly family and building healthy relationships and training our children the way they should grow we are waging war against the enemy i hope that helps yes it does thank you so much pk right. now because of time i just want to get a feel of how you would prefer that we end today's okay. um life we'll still we'll still um have to answer mg's live question okay um but with the questions that were asked on the um link would you like us how many questions would you like us to take uh i think after we can take like uh Maybe two more after MJ's question, two and then question. maybe next month we we continue. We from continue with yes, we continue with some of those questions and the fresh questions from for okay. next month. All right. Okay. So <laughs> as I said before, all the questions asked are super important, and we will definitely answer them. If oh, they're Delapa, thank you. If they're super <laughs> pressing, oh Delapa, I beat you, Sha. <laughs> if they are super pressing, right? Happy birthday, Pete. Thank you. Happy birthday, well, Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> so it wasn't because of the time zone, but yeah. Huh? No, never mind. Never mind. Ah! Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so if, if they're super pressing and you need urgent follow-up on this, please reach out to PK on Instagram or our general mail and we'll, you can, you know, reach out to him. But MJ's question was, how do you, how, for a friend that wants to experience the love of God tangibly, like she knows the true scripture, but she doesn't feel hmm. or believe strongly that God loves her, and then mm-hmm. she has been, he or she has been open to expressions of this, like for instance, in a meeting, looking forward to a word from God, from someone or from the uh, minister himself, and then every other person gets, accepts her. Right. Mm-hmm. So, how do you then convince that person that God loves you? Mm. Oh, so I'm going to try and step into that person's situation so I can address it the best way possible. Um, so, when it comes to the idea of love, when it comes to the idea of God's love and perceiving God's love, it's a dicey situation because sometimes we want God to express his love the way we want him to express his love. Um, sometimes we want him to answer prayers the way we want him to answer prayers. Mm. So maybe you're praying for, God, I want to love this guy. And God is saying, this is not the guy for you. He's toxic. I'm saving you from it. And the relationship starts to get sour. And it looks like you're going to break up. And that's the best for you. But we're like, no, we want to be with this person. So we want God to answer it the way we want our, our answers to. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When you start to want to experience certain things a certain way other than what God will want it to be experienced, that's a form of being God, a form of playing God. God, I want you to do it this way rather than doing it your way. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to his love, first and foremost, he has shown 
the greatest demonstration of his love by the sacrifice of Jesus. Mm. That will always be enough and that will always be the greatest expression. He says, oh, what manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we may be called the children of God. He said, you know, for God so loved the world. He loved the world in this manner. He demonstrated his love when he gave his life on the cross for us. So that ultimately is the expression of God's love. How is it perceived? By feelings, emotions? It is perceived by faith. That's why it says, whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. So it is perceived by faith. And that is the basis, the foundation of our relationship with God. It's faith, not feelings. When you got saved, how did you know you were saved? Was there an angelic light from the sky or a halo on your head? And then your, you turned to Super Saiyan and your chakra was charged instead of glowing. How did you know you were saved? Because you believed it. Because you believed that what Jesus did was enough. You believed what happened 2,000 years ago on that cross still counts for you today. And that was and salvation, eternal life was given to you according to your faith, right? Did you have to feel electricity? Some of you might have had an overwhelming experience, and I'm jealous of you. I'm glad you did. You had, you know, you probably fell under the anointing. You felt this, you felt that. That's beautiful, but that's not the proof of salvation. We have a witness of the Spirit that we are saved. But when it comes to the love of God, while God in His mercy, and He doesn't have to, let me be honest with you. But when in his mercy, God decides to show his love through signs, whether he sends someone your way. Maybe there's something you've been wrestling with. You needed some confirmation. You needed God to send someone your way. And they did. That's God showing you he loves you. Whether it's an opportunity that comes up and he assures you he's the one that provided it. He's showing that he loves you. Whether it's a feeling. You just have this feeling inside of you and joy and just this reassurance that God loves you that's another way God tells you he loves you if he didn't do any of this we can look back to the cross and rise above our feelings and say by faith God loves me and he proved it on the cross and that is enough many times we like to go for the spectacular rather than the supernatural which is what we already have uh, for that person that's wrestling with that idea of does God really love me um, I can tell you, he can show you many signs, but the question is, how many signs will really be enough? Mm. What if the signs are not there anymore in those moments? Would you always feel emotionally high? Would you always, you know, see these things around all the time? God will rather the one who believes yet has not seen, mm. like he said to Thomas. So you, the basis of your relationship with God is by faith. There are days I don't feel love in the sense that I don't, I don't see petals sprinkling the air, I don't feel goosebumps, but I know God loves me mm. by faith. And that's, that's the place everyone needs to get to, that God loves you by faith. The word of God is enough when he tells you God so loved you, he gave his life for you. But I believe that God truly, if, if a person does pray to God, God, I, I really want to be assured he knows how best to do it. He knows how to, to show that love. Sometimes it's through a person. Many times he sends people to show that love, to give a word of encouragement, exhortation. And sometimes it's just opportunities of favor that he opens up. And sometimes it's just strong supernatural reassurances, whether it's a vision, an angelic visit. It happens. It's not the norm, but it happens. And, and those are, while those are exceptions, every believer's standard of love and judgment of God's love is that he gave his life for us on the cross. I really hope this helps.
Thank you so much, Peter, for yes. these detailed answers. And I, I trust that would help the person involved as well. So um, there's a very... Uh, I don't know. I, I wish this person... Okay, I understand why it's anonymous. But um, someone is asking, in a case where I'm going through emotional abuse at home with my parents and they want to disown me because they say I'm rude and I cannot abide by their instructions. Do I leave the family and go and live my life? How do I handle the situation? <sighs> Man, this is a dicey question. And to be honest, in cases where there's emotional abuse by your parents um, or any form of maltreatment by your parents, it's always very dicey because there's no hard and fast rule to it. There's no one size fits all. Uh, one shoe fits. How do they say? One size fits all. One size fits all. I got it. Okay, yeah. There's nothing like that because every family is peculiar and different. But I will say the basis of all our conversation is the, the regulating principle is honor your father and your mother. It's the commandment with the promise that your days may be long. Uh, honor your father and your mother. It's reiterated also in the New Testament Ephesians. So um, it's a dicey situation because on one hand, you, you might n what the truth is you might not even be in the wrong. You, what you're saying might be true, what you're standing for might be true, but then your parents don't want to have it. Um, I will not advise you to leave the house or leave the family, especially if you don't if you're not already independent on your own. Um, in a case where, the cases where sometimes I can recommend or support people who want to leave their families for, you know, out of the possibility of dis disownment, is if you're in a Muslim family and you're taking a stand for Christ. And that's usually how sometimes it goes. Some extremists uh, in the religion will disown you and sometimes even give you capital punishment do you understand so uh, i believe that at the end of the day um in that case of someone who is a muslim taking a stand for christ will create a family for you in jesus to strengthen you because you're taking this this is persecution but some people um some some kids some some children do um incite the persecution where it's unneeded so if you are being accused of being rude, it's possible that maybe it's, it's a thing of your tone. It's possible it's the, the way you respond. But also, it could also be that you are in the clear. You're not wrong in what you're saying, and you're actually using the right tone, but your parents don't want to have it. Whatever the matter is, whatever the issue is, they just want to inflict. I've seen parents like that who um, just want to inflict pain on their children for no reason. Maybe... They had some hurts in their past and they're trying to project it on the child. There's some envy or spite or jealousy. Whatever it is, honestly, the underlying principle remains the same. Honor your father and your mother. I would advise that you find an exit strategy for your mental health because it's important. You need to guard your mental health. You need to guard your well-being at all costs. If you have to stay with a family friend or a friend or a cousin or an uncle, or someone who you know there's some safe haven, go there. Ask your parents if they can. Hopefully they will. You stay there for a while. Clear your mind. Pray it up. Pray for your parents. You know, restore your soul. Renew your mind. 
get back as 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 much as you can but that's only temporary the more long-term solution is to be independent you know to get a good place uh get get a good job probably even get married till you're independent and start to show some level of independence because sadly sadly our parents are not perfect and sometimes they make mistakes sometimes it could be out of love or their understanding of what love should be or they think love is sometimes it could just be them um, bringing some toxic behavior from their childhood and projecting it on us Um, one thing is sure you must not approach them with bitterness Um, your heart in that process your mind is far more important right Um, and to just reinforce yourself with the right ideas your that your identity is not choked and suffocated by their remarks that the abuse, the words used when they tell you you are stupid, you will never amount to anything, for example. You remind yourself you are loved by God. Your purpose is is assured in Him. You amount to great things and you will be a vessel for Him in this generation. You will, you will champion His light wherever you go. These are things you reinforce your mind. You think on the things that are true, that are pure, that are good report, that are just. You discard everything that is not. As hard as it is. As hard as it is. Because... We want some assurance, some approval from our parents. It's natural. You want your, your dad to look at you and say, good job, I love you, I'm proud of you. You want your mom to look at you and say, I love you with all my heart. I, I am proud of you. But sometimes we don't get that, sadly. Do I believe God can change their hearts? I believe. But many times it's only if they want their hearts to be changed. Um, and so there's some things beyond your control but what is within your control is how you respond, how you react, what you do to preserve and protect your mind in that process, and how quickly you are able to gain independence from them. All right, so uh, yeah, that's what I can say. But please, there needs to be an exit strategy, whether it's temporary or long term, mm. because in that environment where it's toxic, it's harmful for you, for your mental mm-hmm. health. I've heard of people who um, started getting suicidal because of this. Mm. There's no point. To, to having to wait till you're, you, you're thinking to take your life when you can take an exit strategy. You can't help escalate it. Your life is important if you need to. It's, by the way, that's why I said it's dynamic, right? There are some parents that are not subject to anyone. Mm-hmm. They're not under anyone's authority, so they're autonomous. They can do anything they want. Nobody can correct them or call them out. But some families, there's someone you can go to that would say, oh boy, what are you doing with your child? This is not what parenting should look like. Mm-hmm. So um, to this I say, I trust the wisdom of God to guide you in such situations, to know when to run, to know when to keep shots, to know when to speak up, to know when to step out, and to know when to pray. You know, um, It's the wisdom of God that would guide in such delicate matters. Yeah. Thank you so much, PK. Right. Thank you. Um, the last question I would put up now because of time, guys, because of time. We are way past our time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question I'll put up for now, I just bundled a bunch of questions that were asked on Slido with a similar okay. thing. So it's mostly about like sexual struggles. Okay. So um, how how do you explain it for somebody like like why do people have to go through addictions in the first place like why are people so, um, vulnerable to addictions like why do some people have it as a breeze okay. and some people like it just becomes a whole vicious circle even when they know 
that they have victory in Christ? Like, why is it so hard to break out of addictions? Yeah. And then, even um, after that, someone was asking, like, is it right to have um, wet dreams as a 25-year-old man? Okay. Yeah, it was an interesting question around that that I believe can be answered. Um, there was one more that I would just like you to bundle with that. Um, sorry, sorry. The more you sorry. ask, the more you have to remind me what the questions are. Okay, 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 okay. Um, basically, just speaking to sexual addictions and sexual struggles, and um, like, why are some people more vulnerable to sexual addictions? Like, why does it feel like they go through a whole vicious circle, and some people have it like really easy? And then, so for the guy that is also asking, is it right that at 25 and being a believer, he's having wet dreams? Great, great, great. So these are very relevant questions. I'll start from behind. So as a 25-year-old person, a 25-year-old guy, um, is it okay for you to have wet dreams as a believer? Um, by the way, I, I believe that ladies also have wet dreams. It's an unpopular opinion. But if we're defining wet dreams, um, not just by the outcome of the wet dreams, um, no pun intended, um, at the end of the day, it is it's the what happens in the dream, right? The nature of the dream that determines whether it's a wet dream or not. Um, <laughs> it's funny I'm saying this. Anyways, but yeah, I do believe ladies can have wet dreams because of the nature of the dreams. But to the guys... So what happens with guys on a biological slate? By the way, every guy who hits puberty or the, ex the norm, the expectation is that as a guy is entering puberty, he experiences this phenomenon, which lets him know that he's ready to reproduce, right? Um, whether you are a man of God or a pastor or bishop, you've gone through that phase. Your emojis, they've gone through it. It's not sinful, or at least of, of the bat, not yet. Um, but another thing biologically is that if a guy has gone a long time, so what happens is, I don't want to bore you with the details, but daily a million plus sperm is produced, right, in, in the testicles. It's produced there. And when you go for very long periods, uh, where there's no release for that overproduction, especially when there's overproduction, your body will create scenarios to allow for a release. You can read it up. You shouldn't read it up unless you needed the information. <laughs> but that's biology, right? The body wants to get rid of excessive production and balances it out. When, when you have a blocked nose or something that's overproduction, or something, your body will shall let your nose know that the, the stuff should run out, so that, yeah. Your body shall knows how to do things. Um, but there's also the one that's due to exposure, the wrong kind of exposure. And when you harbor many thoughts that are tailored, if this is your problem, you've, the, the, the exposure you're getting is sexual content, sexual content, sexual thoughts, you accommodate them, very easily your dreams are influenced by what you experience and i'm mm -hmm. sure some of you can explain you you had that horror dream because you watched that horror movie right they were chasing you with cutlass because you watched that movie called scream i'm just giving you an example so it's 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 how it is so if it's a case where you you know you're not getting exposed this way 
Sometimes it could be your body balancing the overproduction. Unless you feel it's a concerning issue, then you can talk to a physi physician and, and, and find out what's going on. But if not, if it's, you know that this is just exposure to the wrong thoughts, then you need to renew your mind. You need to get some help, have some conversations, actively curate a structure where you are exposed to the right information, where you're exposed to the right thing. Whether you have someone create a playlist, you get accountable to someone, but you have to do it aggressively or else it's going to keep continuing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if it's of that nature, because of exposure, it's wrong. I believe it's, it's, it's just unnecessary because the dreams, by the time you wake up to that kind of dream, it could even spur up a, more of a desire to fulfill what was in the dream. Mm. So yeah, that's on that first one. I hope that answers the question for the person. And the second question, of which was actually the first question, um, why is it that some people are more susceptible to sexual addictions? Why is it tough and a struggle for many people? Um, there's something that psychologists call innate, sens innate sensibility mm. or sensitivity, I beg your pardon, innate sensitivity. Um, when you study things like anxiety, which is, by the way, anxiety disorder is the most common disorder in the entire world. Believe you me, I, it's, it's, it's such an epidemic, anxiety. Um, so it's, there are people who are more, have you noticed that there are people who are more disposed to worrying than others. Mm -hmm. So people are like, dude, chill out. It's going to mm -hmm. be fine. Not a worry in the world. But people are like, ah, but what if, how do I, I don't even know. I feel like I don't have any purpose in life. Uh-uh. Some people get 5.0 GP and they're like, I don't know if I'm good enough. <laughs> what else is there? You know, they're just people who are more susceptible to those things. Same thing with sexual addictions. I believe there are people who, um, just by the way they are wired, when there's exposure, and this is how any sexual exposure happens, whether it's by curiosity or it's by abuse. When you have curiosity or abuse expose you to sexual things, you either go two ways, ideally. Either you open up the doors or you shut the doors. There are people who have been exposed to this thing, like, I, have, I want to have nothing to do with this thing ever again in my life. They close the doors. To have a sexual addiction, how, you know, therefore, will be difficult because your, your response to that situation was to close up. Some people who have been raped, some people who have been molested can close up. Some other people can open up so much so that it progresses to other things. You were molested, but now I'm saying these things as careful as I can because I know that um, these are sensitive topics. But some people who are molested can go open up the doors and then seek out more ways to fulfill that feeling, that pleasure they got or otherwise. Um, you know, they open the doors to all those things. So I really believe there's a place of innate sensitivity where by just your natural wiring, you are more predisposed to a certain thing than another person would be. Do you understand? Some people have been exposed and while that period of their childhood they were exposed to sexual things, they just shrug it off like, oh, that's it. And it never really comes to their mind. They are more focused on their career, their academics, and they maybe had other struggles in other areas. So that's the innate sensitivity. This, but when it comes to sexual addiction, whether you have an innate sensitivity to it or whatever, whatever, however you came to have this thing, I believe, and that's why when people, some people get saved, there's some people that this thing drops off 
immediately because the passion radically changes it. Mm -hmm. But there's some people that need to walk through a rehabilitation process. And that's why I said people with sexual addictions need, to need rehab. rehab. It doesn't have to be in a clinic or with a doctor, but there must be a rehabilitation, a renewal process, no matter how long it takes, right? But it must happen. Um, and yeah, eventually, by the power of the Holy Spirit and consistency in reprogramming your mind, because when you, you are overtaken with a fault and a sexual habit, your mind is being reprogrammed to love that thing, to be dependent on that thing. But if you're going to go off that addiction, like you would on a drug addiction, you have to reprogram your mind to love um, a life and go about a life without that dependency. Mm. So... Um, whatever the case is, whether you are more susceptible or not, there's one power, there's one, one source of freedom, and it's Jesus. And everyone can truly be free, 100%. Uh, it's what, that's what I believe. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it, and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.